Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer and Tashawn Reed. Ted Wynn, we believe, is deep, deep in a cave doing some research, maybe studying some film. Uh, we, we hope he joins us later, but uh, but we will see. It, it's Ted. You, you never know what quite will happen with him. But, um, guys, let's let's talk about these 2-6 and six Las Vegas Raiders, um, a disastrous 0-2 trip back east, and uh, the fall guy... Jonathan Abram released, waived on Tuesday. Uh, a guy who, you know, would have been available if anybody wanted him, and nobody wanted him. Goes on waivers. Uh, one of those three first-round picks uh, from that 2019 draft. Um, obviously, we know on the offseason, none of their fifth-year options were picked up, um, and, and now Jonathan Abram is gone. Yeah, and you know, obviously, this this current regime didn't make you know this this terrible string of first-round picks that the Raiders have had since 2018, but. It's still relevant to their current team because that's one of, one of the biggest reasons why they, they're bereft at talent in some of these spots. I mean, you can't waste this much high-value draft capital and, and not come out with some warts on your roster. Of the seven first-round picks they made under John Gruden, only three of them are still on the roster. Only one of them have, have secured a second contract. Uh, you know, we'll see if Josh Jacobs is around in the future. I guess you could say the same for Cleve Farrell. Within this short of an amount of time, it's just I, I don't know how – precedent that is, but I'm not sure there's been too many other teams in league history to do that. That's part of the reason why they have these defensive woes, why they have some issues on offense and um, this contributed to their two and six start. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say Abram was a good player. Obviously, he struggled. I thought he may have been a little better this year in terms of how they use him at, at times, but he made some mistakes on Sunday. And so I guess that was the last straw. But I think the timing is weird. I just think that if you're, if you're two and 16 with so many issues, 
why you start cutting guys. And I, I think Abram could still help on special teams, maybe be a backup. I don't think he's the worst guy on the roster by far. So I think it's a it's a weird timing of the move. But um, I don't know if it's a message to the rest of the locker room. I don't know if they're going to start picking guys off every week now when they lose. But um, I get it. He didn't play well. But they kind of knew what he was when they got him. They've been praising him all during training camp. They started him the first six games. So it's also on the staff a little bit if they couldn't make him work and if they didn't realize it wasn't going to work until uh, – November 7th, whatever it was. So I get it. It didn't play well. That's life in the NFL. But I thought the timing was a little weird. Do you think part of it is like not even necessarily a message to the locker room, but almost kind of a, a public relation message where the coaching staff, the, you know, the front office, this whole regime is under a lot of heat right now you know, from the fan base at two and six, that this is kind of step one of saying, hey, it's not us, it's the players, and that we're going to kind of start getting out ahead of that publicly by, you know what, some of these players that we got left with, some of these first-round picks we got left with are so bad that we just have to cut them, and, and that's just kind of a way to start creating that public messaging that, hey, it's not us, it's the players. Yeah, I think that's probably, I mean, I think it definitely could be part of it. I think every, what, every six weeks, you make a guy walk the plank, first it was Leatherwood, now it's Abram, then in a couple of mo- in a month now it'll be Cleve Farrell, so I, I don't know if that's what they're doing, but... Clearly, like Deshaun said, the last regime's draft record was terrible, and that's definitely not an excuse or not. I mean, this this new regime can, has every right to say that, but um, again, I think the timing is just weird. I think you're still holding on to some faint hope you can turn around. You're still preaching. I mean, we were told last week the coaching staff's done a great job. You know, the guys are improving under, under McDaniels. I mean, I don't really see it that much, but uh, again, I, I think it could be right. I think it could be... Um, you know, shedding a light on the, on the draft record and how you know bad the roster was that they inherited, even though they went out and got Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. So I think it is all about framing right now and, and scapegoating. If they keep losing, there'll be be more of that. That aligns with some of the reporting we've had already. You know, earlier this season when things weren't even this bad yet about you know their concerns about the roster and and what they thought about it. But really, I, I think that only goes so far um, because you know when they when they took this job. They had tens of millions of cap space. They had some of the, mo- the most cap space in the league. They had all their you know significant picks um, in, in this year's draft. You know they were the ones that you know swung these big blockbuster trades and made these sign-ins and kicked people to the curb that contributed last year. I mean, like they, you know, almost over half of this roster is, is guys that weren't on the team last year, and so they've they've had plenty of turnover already. And you would assume that the guys that they kept, or a lot of the guys that they kept from from last year, were guys that they they viewed favorably. Otherwise, they would have. They gave out a bunch of extensions to guys that were on the team last year. And so it's a valid, you know, reason for why they're missing talent in certain areas. But they also made their own bed with a lot of, you know, the roster holes that they had with the decisions that they that they had made this offseason. They had resources to try to keep building the thing. And I mean, I don't think any of us did or even to this day disagree, you know, still do disagree with, you know, trading that first and second round pick to get Devontae Adams. I mean, he's you add that kind of talent to your offense, um, I mean, that, that that should pay off dividends. But, yeah, between the money and, and, you know, once they got rid of that high draft capital, they didn't have a ton of draft capital. But, I mean, they had money to, to improve this roster. And it did seem like, you know, there there was that mixed mix message where, like, Mark Davis kind of wanted to make it say, like, you know, make it clear this is not a rebuild. I'm, I'm not bringing these guys in to rebuild. But they wanted to bring in a couple big pieces that made it look like they were pushing forward, but also wanted to avoid committing too much to, to anything and, and wanted to, to kind of keep their their options open in the future. Yeah, they kind of hedged their best a little bit. Like, yeah, we're, we're going for it. Ah, 
Uh, not really. We're not really going for it, guys. You know, so I think definitely the, we're making Mark think we're going. Yeah, we gave we gave us an out. So um, yeah, it's still a lot of season to play. We'll see how it ends up. But uh, at this point, I can definitely see that uh, maybe more of the focus will be towards the future and what uh, what didn't happen this year, what couldn't have happened because of the roster, more so than uh, their own failures. Yeah, and I mean, most of these these contracts that they gave out, you know, they they, they kind of have that two to three year window. That's not you know, atypical across the league or anything like that, but they have a clear kind of cutoff point for this current makeup of the team. And, you know, even as, as soon as this offseason with Derek Carr, I mean, the runaway that he has, you know, really after the season ends, that, that gives them a lot of flexibility to potentially move on there. And so, you know, it was kind of running it back from last year with like plenty of avenues to reset if, if things don't go well. And so far, they, they obviously haven't gone well. And if things stay this way, I think we're going to see some some major personnel shakeups and you know, they, they're giving themselves the, the flexibility between how they structure contracts and then all the cap space that they're, they're sitting on this season that they're not going to use that's going to roll over to next season is, is going to contribute to that as well. Well, one thing I think we can at least say about this week is um, as big of a shit show as we think the Raiders might have been this season, the bigger shit show in the league is coming to town uh, in the Indianapolis Colts, head coached by Jeff Saturday. I mean... Nobody disagrees, I think, with the idea that Frank Reich probably deserved to be fired after all this. And, and obviously, the, the, the irony about this matchup is that why was Frank Reich hired as uh, as the Colts head coach? Because Josh McDaniels took the job and then said no. We are going to welcome in Ted. He he has finished doing uh, some research, so uh, hopefully he'll have some good Jeff Saturday research. But it's kind of crazy with, with as bad as things are going for the Raiders that they're welcoming in a team that uh, that things are going worse. Yeah, so what I say, it's a hold my beer game. I think the the, the Colts definitely. Um, it's an amazing uh, thing that's happened this week. Like when the, when Schefter first reported it, I swear I checked at least three or four times that it wasn't a parody account. Like I thought for sure, like someone had, had made up the blue check mark. I'm like, this cannot possibly. It was like the April first. I was like, this can't be real, but it has. It actually is real. I just. Uh, it's an amazing uh, hire. Just um, a guy what he coaches high school, high school football. And does ESPN work? Um, doesn't know any of the, the players or coaching the coaches. Can you imagine being like coaching staff and like in the coach a game where you're not reporting to a guy who has not been in the building for the last five months? Hey, he attended training camp. Uh, you're, you're he right. attended I, training I, I, camp. I apologize. So he came to camp, but I mean, the guy hasn't been in the meetings. Doesn't really know the personnel that well. I just, and he hires the you know, the guy going to call plays. Is a thirty year old guy who I think you know helped out with the video before this. So I just think it's an amazing. Amazing feat, and it's um, it's great for the Raiders because they, they can't lose this week. So it's uh, it's a nice little easy win, kind of uh, calm the storms for a week, and and we'll still, we'll see what happens. Jeff Saturday was twenty and sixteen with the Hebron Christian Academy. Yeah, they're so, twenty and sixteen. What kind of schedule? What's their strength of schedule, Ted? <laughs> who 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 they play? I, I need to know who they played. I, I gotta look up the um, the, the strength schedule there, but uh, he has a winning record. He's four games over five hundred at uh, Hebron Christian. You gotta be dominating at Hebron Christian to get a NFL <laughs> job. You gotta be like eighteen and two, like pitching shutouts. Like twenty and sixteen ain't gonna cut it for me. I just, uh, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. But Jim Ursay has never hired a losing coach, so he, you know, his continuous streak here. He's he's hiring a winning high school coach. This is the research that made Ted yeah, late for the podcast. Job, so uh, this is this is worth it. As a player and as coaches in a building, like how do you listen to somebody that just hasn't been there since training camp. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess he attended training camp, but he wasn't there in the meetings. You know, he 
it doesn't know how this team has progressed. Like, how do you listen to somebody making executive orders when they just don't have the context of being there with, you know, with the team and understanding what this team went through, understanding the players on a team? Like, how do you listen? How do you trust any decision he, he makes? You don't. And um, poor, <laughs> poor, poor Gus Bradley, man. I mean, like last year, you know what I mean? He gets a new job, comes into the Raiders, stability. John Gruden, you know, resigns and they have an interim coach situation. He doesn't get that one. It works out all right, but he doesn't. They, they get rid of the staff. He doesn't get to come back. He's like, all right, let me go to Indianapolis. This seems like they, they got some good stuff going over there. Nope. Another coach gets fired. As crazy as last year was with the Raiders interim situation. You get a guy that wasn't even in your building becomes your interim head coach. Like Gus Bradley has been going through it the past twelve months. Like, like shouts out to that guy. Poor, poor Gus. But I know it's possible, but it's, it's impossible to lose this team. Like you just cannot lose this game. I mean, like Jeff Saturday has never coached in a co- college or professional ranks. Has no idea what he's fucking doing. Probably doesn't know half the roster. They have some guy named Parks Frazier calling plays who's never called plays. Sam Ellinger is still their starting quarterback, and he's awful. They have the worst offense in the league outside of that. The offensive line is terrible. Their defense is pretty good, but like outside of that, like this is a dumpster fire. Like, and you're at home coming off two bad losses. Like, I just there's no way they actually can like lose this game, right? It's not it's not really possible. I know the Twitter jokes and all that, but like really, like like how what would they have to do to, to lose this game to the Colts? Well, Jeff Saturday does he might not know a whole lot about, you know, the the teams and all that, but one thing he does know, uh two Sundays ago. He tweeted, uh, something wrong with my fantasy stats. Says Devontae Adams has zero for zero in the first half. Uh, So uh, Devontae Adams on Jeff Saturday's fantasy team. Will be interesting to see if uh, how well uh, they they cover Devontae. Is he he coaching for uh, his fantasy team or or his real team? He also tweeted that day, Raiders look horrible. Um, So he has uh, has at least studied the Raiders, and he thinks they look horrible. Uh, Just another wild dimension to to this hire that you're like hiring a guy who has like just been dropping opinions like uh, you know, on ESPN and on Twitter like that. And now he's your head coach. Bolden bar material, right? For the Raiders put that on, on the big uh, on the overhead, like uh, the Raiders are horrible, said Jeff Saturday. I mean, uh, but obviously, you know, like we talked about, the Raiders have an experienced staff, you know, New England trained, know where they can lose to a bunch of clowns who just got hired. That experienced staff that is, uh, that head coach is 7-23 in his last 30 games. I mean, he's not he's not 20-16 and 16 like Jeff Saturday, man. Come on. They didn't have a play caller until Tuesday afternoon. I mean, like, like the sounds of the quarterback stinks. I mean, uh, and that, that's amazing, the old line. The old line used to be so, that's the reason why everybody went there. Like, that's the reason why, you know, Matt Ryan went there, because all oh, this old line's going to be great, you'll you won't be touched, but the old line's been terrible. And Quentin Nelson went from being a beast to like, you watch him now. I don't know what the hell he's doing now. He looks like he's uh, he's on skates. So um, I mean, the Raiders have an excuse. They got a bunch of guys from you know from who bounced the Palomino. But I mean, the, the Colts actually have guys they've drafted high and had high high bar for. So uh, the Colts are a mess before this hire. They were terrible before this hire, and now they've made it uh, apparently worse. So it's going to be a be a fun day for Raider fans, man. It's going to be a high, you know, I don't know, 35 to 10. It's going to be a huge blowout win at home. Get the crowd going again. Get some merchandise. Making his prediction early. Get some merchandise sold to get, you know, Derek Carr and his confidence and back up. And maybe we'll see a Darren Waller sighting. Oh, it's going to be a great day for, for Raider fans. It's going to be awesome. God, they are going to hate you when, when Sunday goes terribly. They have the the fourth pay, highest paid offensive line in, in football too, and they're, and they're terrible. It's it, it's pretty crazy how this uh, offensive line just got 
decimated so quickly. And um, I mean, if there's any chance that the Colts win, it's because their defense played really well, because that's the one bright spot on this team has been Gus Bradley and that defense has been playing really well. I don't think they're going to score, but if that defense plays some inspired football and plays well for Gus Bradley, that's the only shot that they keep this game close. But offensively, I mean, they should be a pretty big mess. I would expect a bunch of delayed games and, and that sort of deal. But yeah, defensively, that's their, that's their bright spot. That's how they've been keeping games close in the games that they have kept close. Y'all are giving Raider fans so much hope. Could Saturday be like a player coach? Could he come in and snap the ball a couple times? I mean, that would be part of the plan. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it definitely was going to be like, you know, a Gus Bradley revenge game, Yannick Ngakwe revenge game. But now it's just a it's a big circus. So um, great day. Great day for Raider fans. It's going to be uh, – I hope they have a good time. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, I uh, wanted to give the, the fans a chance to uh, to join the podcast a little bit, so uh, put out a call for questions. So we're going to take a few of them. From David A., has Derek Carr really regressed or is it the system? He has really started to play some of his best ball in the last few years. It is mind-boggling how bad he looks. Who's first? Uh, I'll go. I mean, Derek Carr is somebody that needs needs to have a really good grasp of the offense for things to work because he's you know he's a pocket processor. He's not a guy that's going to be making play. He's gotten better at making plays out of structure, but he needs a good grasp of everything going on for this offense to work. He needs everybody on the same page. 
because he's not a guy that's going to go out and create plays and, and that sort of deal. And, and right now, this offense is kind of struggling to learn the system. And you know, if you have faith in Josh McDaniels, then you have, then you believe that eventually, when everybody gets on the same page, that this offense get clicking. But right now, that's just not what's happening. People aren't on the right page. Carr might be a little s- slow doing things. He might not be completely comfortable in this offense quite yet. You know, everybody's uncomfortable right now, and you know it, the results are, are showing on the field. Them learning the system, McDaniel's inconsistencies as a play caller, the offensive line being a- unable to pass protect. Hunter Renfro hasn't been himself this year, and he had concussion earlier in the year. Darren Waller hasn't played for most of the season now at this point. I mean, there's a lot of things going on with the passing offense and, and the offense in general to where – I mean, Derek Carr isn't playing well. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's been pretty inaccurate. His efficiency is down. He's trying a lot of difficult difficult throws and, and trying to force it, it seems, at times and, and has, hasn't been on the same page as his receivers pretty often. So he has his, his fair share of blame, but I don't think it's as as you know simple as if you swapped Derek Carr out for you know somebody who's perceived as a better quarterback that this offense wouldn't have any issues. I, I think they've had various issues across the offense and that's really not what we anticipated coming into this year. I mean, you know, the defensive stuff is not surprising at all, but the offense was supposed to be, you know, we've said it, you know, numerous times in this podcast, a top five unit, and they just haven't had the consistency to, to be that weekend and week, week out. Yeah. Uh, Carr's definitely regressed, uh, even despite getting his, you know, his best friend uh, from college, the, the best receiver in the league probably. So it is a little startling. I think it's on the coaching staff. Obviously Derek, Shares part of the blame because he doesn't. He takes a while to to get going and get adjusted to things. But uh, you know, the staff came in. They knew what he was. They did the homework. They brought in Adams. So there have been some injuries, but there's enough talent there where they shouldn't be up and down. They shouldn't be still trying to find their identity up, you know, big in, in Jacksonville. So I think it's on the staff, and um, we'll see. You know, if it gets better. But um, no question, he's he's worse than he was uh, last year. All right, question here from Mario P. Uh, one of the positives told to Raider fans about Patrick Graham in the offseason with how flexible and adaptable he is. Given the roster, why do you think he hasn't changed to a system more suitable to the players, i.e., why does he keep trying to fit square pegs in through a round hole? I guess the real answer might be that he doesn't have any pegs. Yeah, so they're all square pegs, and every hole is round. With, with this. I mean, he's mixed it up a lot. You know, but no matter what they do, they suck. So like, I don't. I think at a certain he's point, he's got one peg. He's got yeah, one peg. He's got yeah, Max Crosby. That's yeah, it. I think at a certain point, you just have to be like, yo, the, the defense just isn't very good. I mean, they're the couple of their, their bright spots. Nate Hobbs, he's been on the IR. Devon Diablo, their leading tackler, just went on the IR. Chandler Jones has, has given them nothing. Jonathan Abram is cut. Like the cornerbacks that they brought in, Rocky Sin has been pretty good, but Anthony Averett has not been. Like they just don't have players on defense like I, I you know they, he, i'm sure there's adjustments that patrick graham can make and, and areas where he can improve and different things he can do but like at a certain point you need some talent on defense to to hold up consistently and then they just they're they, they're lacking in that area pretty apparently yeah i mean they spent a lot of money on the, on the front line and the front line can't get any lower last in the league in sacks and uh I'm not sure about dropping, you know, Charlie Jones and Max Crosby in coverage, but if you're getting desperate, you're getting desperate. So I agree there's definitely a lack of talent, but that shouldn't be an excuse. They shouldn't um, be making the same mistakes now they made in the first week of the season. So, um, you know, I said before, I haven't been impressed with him, and maybe he has an excuse that uh, there isn't a lot of talent, but still you see other teams that get by and, and make improvements. I haven't seen them get, they haven't really gotten better. So, I, I mean, you have to at least 
uh, get better. I think last year, Gus Bradley, this defense got better as the year went on, despite probably a similar complaint. So, um, I don't know. Uh, again, the front line to me has been uh, – they brought in a lot of guys, guys he apparently he, he wanted. So um, that part of it kind of uh, is a little concerning to me about his uh, yeah, his abilities as a, as a coordinator. Yeah, I agree. I think you want to see some improvement towards the, towards the end of the year. That's a sign that there is some good coaching going on. Obviously, if guys keep getting hurt, that's going to be difficult. But, you know, hopefully the injuries stabilize and you, you want to see – some sort of improvement, guys getting better, playing faster under one as they understand that system towards the end of the season. All right. Two more questions here before we get to our predictions uh, from Neil L is Chandler Jones, the worst free agent signing in the history of the Raiders bad choices. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's too many. Uh, yeah, LaMarcus Joyner didn't register like a statistic for like three years, man. We, we but gotta... He's balling with the New York Jets. though yeah. at, at nickel. Everybody's balling. I mean, like, is Everybody's he balling worse? before and I mean, after. Is he worse than Corey Littleton? I... He's not even top ten. There's so it's been so many so many bad. I can't even. I mean, there's been so many bad signings. So I think uh, Tyrell Williams didn't play. Remember, Sean Smith got benched. He got Sean Smith got a four year, forty million dollar contract and got benched in his first game when Brandon Cooks burned him for a ninety eight yard touchdown. Javon Walker has to be the worst one. And he went to jail. Sean Smith went to jail. Didn't finish his deal because he went to jail. So oh, I just I think, about uh, that. Uh, yeah, there's been so many bad ones. I think at least you know Charlie Jones is getting good grades in the coaches' uh, report coaches card. Coaches love him. Coaches is hey, he's doing a good job. So what do, what do we know? He's a run stopper, guys. He's not a pass rusher. He's a, the hundred sacks, like all all those all those th- the tweets the Raiders sent out about him, like you know being you know, what him and Von Miller are like the most sacks in, in the NFL since he joined the league. Like that, that that was that was just to fool people to think he's a pass rusher. He's a run stopper, guys. Come on. Yeah, but it hasn't been good though. No, we're not saying it's been a, it's definitely been a rough a rough signing. I think Javon Walker's. Got to be, I mean, they they paid him what like a rook uh, a record receiver contract at the time, and he played what like three games. Chandler Jones ain't, ain't is not even on not even in the conversation. He's he's not been good, but not even in the conversation. All right, last question here, Troy H. What is the upside in continuing to start Carr at QB the rest of the season? I think I would have to answer that in saying like. What is the upside to starting Jared Stidham? Yeah, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, 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 Jared Stidham is not the future quarterback. It's not like you're going to be evaluating him to see if he's your starter next year. Like, do they really think Derek Carr is like the singular issue for their franchise's woes the last ten years? Tashad, you don't you don't know this, but at one point, this fan base wanted M- Matt McGloin starting over Derek Carr. Like, this shit is incredible. We talking about Jared Stidham? Like, Jared Stidham's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong, but like. What the fuck are we talking about here? Like, like nothing, unless he's like saying through the lens of like intentionally trying to lose. Maybe that's his point of like, we want to stink and tanking and get a high draft pick and get another quarterback. If Carr's as bad as everybody claims he is, then that'll help you. Yeah, well, true. Carr's going to start for the rest of this season. And even if the Raiders end up drafting a quarterback, depending on who the quarterback is, Carr might be the starter for another year as that guy kind of learns the system. Raider fans, you know, we all talk about this a lot about how they either love or hate Carr. I think the love numbers are going down, but it's been nine years, so I understand the frustration. He's been here nine years, and they're still doing the same dance about, you know, the offense is not quite there. I want to tell you something, but I can't tell you. And still building a culture. I mean, it gets it gets old, and it's not all him. Obviously, there's a lot of problems. The, the draft record, the different coaches and GMs, and the defense always stinks. There's so many issues, but. 
he is the one constant. He's been in nine years, and we're back at square, or back at square two, or back at square three. So I get, I get where a lot of the fans are coming from because it is nine years is a long time to be with a guy who you're not sure uh, is the guy. I mean, I guess if we want to literally answer the question of what is the upside, if you bench him, then everybody knows you're moving on from him in the off season and you're going to cut him and it's he's just going to be available as as a free agent signee. You play it out with him and you know if he can show some flashes, you know if you, if you want to try to trade him in that in that window you have, um, you hold on to a little trade value and maybe you can uh, you can accumulate a couple assets for him. So, I mean, if we want to literally answer what's the upside, that's a potential upside, right? Yeah, for sure. The upside, he's, he's your best quarterback. That's the upside. So, you, I mean, you play the guy who gives you a chance to win. I mean, if it gets to a point where it really goes off the track, then maybe you, like, you know, run over his toe with a golf cart or something, and he goes to the injured list, I don't know. But there's ways to go around it. Like, they've done it in the past. When Mark A. King, didn't uh, – uh, That's what I was going to say. The, uh, the punter got hurt on the uh, on the plane, like lifting weights on the plane, he got hurt. What was that? Uh, was that? Uh, was it Marquette? Leckler's last year, right? Well, Leckler, yeah. So yeah, yeah so, it was Leckler's uh, last year, and they wanted to stash Marquette to be the punter yeah, of the future. So, so you got him on IR for the whole season. There's always creative shit you can do, but I mean, again, they're they're, they're still trying to win now. Uh, they're still, you know, they have hopes to turn us around, and he by far is your best quarterback. So I mean, there's no there's no reason to bench the guy. Yeah. Plus, like, even if you do want to move on, like, I mean, as it stands, like, with him playing, like, currently have the third overall pick in the draft, like. Like, this isn't a team that you have to worry about them winning too many games. Like, it's very apparent. And, like, they've, they've, they've done this through the soft part of their schedule. Like, it's only going to get harder as the season goes on. So, chances are it's going to keep getting worse. And, you know, if he has some – I do think the offense, um, you know, if Waller is able to come back because they have so many good players, like, eventually you – know, these are smart guys. Like, they're going to pick up on the system and it might start clicking for them towards the end of the season. You know, if he has some flash games and, or goes on a run here in terms of the offensive success – that can only help boost his trade value for for something in the offseason if you want to move on from him. So he's really only upsides to doing it like and just benching him. Like, I don't think it really like benefits you in any sort of way. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's that's even in the realm of, of possibilities here. Unless you're going to tank and you like you hire Charles Woodson as coach, then uh, maybe that's what you do. But uh, they're not going to openly tank, I don't think. So I think their car is, is secure the rest of the year. All right, guys. Prediction time. Vic, 35-10, is that your call? Yeah, it sounded good. I said I didn't think about it, but I like it. It sounded good. I think, um, yeah, they, they play well at home, right? They're up to 3-1 at home. I think this year they score some points. So uh, the Colts have to be – the Colts can't be uh, excited about this move. I know the defense is legit, and Gus has done a good job this year, but even they at some point, like, what for who, for what? I mean, this is getting – once you know the owner wants to tank, he's hiring his buddy to be the coach, and, you know, and, and the – the video guys calling the plays and the quarterback is whatever. So I just think there's no, there's no way. There's no Raider fans can get the tailgating early, get a good buzz going into the game, watch on TV. You know, this is going to be the highlight of the year. It'll be the best game of the year for you guys. So enjoy. Yeah, I, I got Raiders winning. I'll say, I'll say, thirty-one to ten to. I was going to say three, but I don't, I don't know if I've got much faith in the Raiders. <laughs> good uh, Lord, guys. Defense. <laughs> I'm going. Raiders thirty to zero. Shut up. Wow. The Colts, Shut up. Colts are gonna be fucking awful this this week. Like there's no way after all this this bullshit going on. Offense already stunk. They almost got shut out last week when they still had their other head coach, and then they weren't doing all this other crazy shit they got going on. Like the, the Raiders need to whoop their whoop their ass, and then 
Jonathan Taylor play, you might just rip one off just, you know, by accident. Jonathan Taylor, I don't I don't feel like that man's gonna put too much at risk trying to, to run run for his life for this fucking team. Where Not against the Chandler Jones led run defense, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They got <laughs> that's the one thing the Raiders defense has done well this season to stop the run. But anyway, this shouldn't even be like remotely competitive. Like if this is if this plays out like the Texans game, like that's embarrassing to me. I don't care if they win. Like that's like there there's no way. The Colts no. Like there's there's no there's no rationale behind this. Like if they lose this somehow, Josh McDaniels may not may actually may not make it to the, the post game press. Like this would be historic. I'm picturing Raider fans listening to this shit. They're like, "What the hell are you guys doing, to us, man?" I, I we apologize. So we've been unanimous the last two weeks, and they've lost. But they're up 17-0, so it's a good pick. If you're up 17-0 and I pick you to win, that's a good pick. I stand. I mean, that's like whatever happens after that. It's not. It's not on me. My prediction: Colts twenty-four, Raiders twenty-one. You son of a bitch! All right, get the fuck out of here! You, you don't believe it. You know revenge you game. Unique Gakwe ah. with three sacks, couple strip sacks. You the Unique Gakwe revenge bastard. game. You oh said twenty-four. Twenty-four, twenty-one Colts. Do they have three, three defensive touchdowns? Uh, at least, at least one <laughs> strip sack. Unique and Gakwe revenge game. I, you know, I'm doing Raider fans a favor. You guys are just blowing them up with too much positivity. Like predicted thirty to nothing and thirty one to ten and thirty five ten. That's if you guys have watched this Raiders team, like that's not. Nah, you mean, talked to Josh DeBow before. Uh, before I mean, this pod? we've been two straight weeks of unanimous, and they've gotten they've gotten beat. So uh, I, I'm helping you Raider fans out by not overly jinxing it by predicting a blowout like you crazy guys. So. Vic has committed. He he agrees. It's a fair with as much as he's pumping it up as, as there a zero chance of them losing. He will sing on Sunday if if they do lose. I'll sing till my voice gives out, man. So yeah. What's the song, Iggy? In some Iggy? Now someone requested Hotel California. I mean, people are making requests on Twitter. We'll see what we can do. But again, it's not going to matter. I mean, it's not going to matter. I mean, it's going to be a blowout. Blow yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn, turn out the lights. The Saturday over. in the chorus. Turn out the lights. Party's over. It's good. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But again, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. I mean, uh, I'll probably. Uh, nah. So we're good. We'll see. Too much experience. Right, yeah. Staff is too good, man. I have faith in the <laughs> coaching staff. It's, it's, it's too good. Right. We spent the whole last podcast burying them. And now the staff is too good. <laughs> oh, man. 20 and 16, baby. All right, everybody. We will talk to you after the Raiders take on the Indianapolis Colts. See if Jeff, if Jeff Saturday still believes the Raiders are horrible after Sunday. All right, Joe. Adios. This shouldn't even be like remotely competitive. Like if this is if this plays out like the Texans game, like that's embarrassing to me. I don't care if they win. Like that's like there, there's no way. If they lose this somehow, Josh McDaniels may not may actually may not make it to the, the post game press. Like this would be historic.